New ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. My guest today is Nick Zeketz. Nick is a product-driven growth leader, and he's currently the CEO and co-founder of leading marketing personalization startup, Air Traffic Control. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You've launched the startup Air Traffic Control, and you're empowering personalization. So I've got a two-part question. First, what's the difference between hyper-segmentation and personalization? Ooh, that's a good one. Well, Mostly what we have issue with on hyper segmentation or really kind of a status quo on personalization is that it's a lot of heavy human lifting, connecting a whole bunch of dots. It is an evolution of segmentation, which still means that there are lots of people using lots of tools and making lots of human decisions about who should see what. Our belief is that it can be better than that. Okay. So, so personalization, how do you achieve true personalization? What does that, what does that mean? So you have to really think differently about how you execute in marketing and it has to go from basic attributes that could be understood or shared across your audience. And it has to be about the individuals within the audience. And so our approach is not about tethering rules or building logic around anything that would be shared across an organization's prospects and customers. It's really about the individuals within that audience and what they specifically are interested in and doing your darndest to try to create a connection between each of those people and whatever it is that you as a business has to share. Okay. So really, 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 this is honest to goodness, personalization. This is this is an email that is different for each person. Is that really what we're saying? It really is. It's an email. It's a landing page. It's a chatbot response. Any. So that sounds like a lot of heavy lifting. I mean, not for nothing. <laughs> How does this work in a world where my cookies are going away and privacy is a thing? How does this work with GDPR and CCPA? This is one of my favorite questions. And I actually think that the answer to it is the future of marketing. Okay, go. This sounds good. (laughs) So we have, as a practice, been looking externally for markers, attributes, insights into our audiences. The thing that's really fantastic is that as we have earned some degree of awareness, someone's raised their hand and they've identified themselves. They've said, I'm Gabriella and this is my email address, or I'm Gabriella and yes, this is me on your website or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. There is this new age of first party data value. And traditionally, when people think about first party marketing data, they're really looking at things like that they click, that they open. Do they do those things more often than the average bear? Right. So clicking, really, opening, it's frequency is what's, yeah. That's exactly right. And, and, and by and large, that's been a best practice for quite some time. And what it does is it allows you to quantify a human and where they fit into your spectrum of engagement. Mm-hmm. The thing that becomes really interesting is that when you look at 
the data that marketers already have, the emails specifically that Gabriella opened, what events and the subject matter of those events that she attend. When she was on your website, what were the pages that she looked at and how much did she engage with those pages? Did she go to other pages and do other things? And what was the subject matter that was associated with all that? All that data actually already lives within all these enterprises. HubSpot knows it. Marketo knows it. Salesforce knows it. On and on and wait, on. Wait, wait a minute. Yeah. Just let me let me just make sure I'm following you here. So we're we're we are talking about my first party data on my site. We're not talking about other crawled information, other places. This is purely my site, my data. People came here and I have it. Is that am I hearing that right? So that's the gold. That really is the gold, is that marketers are already sitting on the key to personalization. It's just that the tools that they're using don't really think about that data in a way that's terribly useful or actionable. Certainly, external data is great. Knowing what's happening in the company that somebody works for, having an idea about what their social behavior might be on the web and the types of things that they're posting and talking about and engaging with. Those are absolutely phenomenal and fascinating sources of insight into humans. And most importantly, when people start to engage, they're not only showing you what their interests are within your own context, but they're showing it with their names and their unique identifiers attached to that. And that stuff lives in the marketing tools that people are already using. It's just that those tools think about understanding that information quantitatively as opposed to qualitatively. And that's where we come in. Okay. Break that down a little bit. So for instance, we know that they've clicked on something. And so the current way, I just want to make sure I'm following you properly. The current way marketing thinks of it is this person is more engaged. They've clicked twice. Mm -hmm. And you're saying that your product looks and says, what did they click on twice? That is precisely right. That's exactly right. We use machine learning in order to actually derive all the subject matter from the subject line of an email that they may have opened or the content within an email that they responded to, the links within an email that they clicked on, the pages that they spent time with when they went to your website. Right now, our marketing tools tell us that, again, you did those things and you did them more or less than the average bear. But if I'm going to send you 40 marketing communications as an enterprise over the course of a year, knowing what you engage with is critically important. That really tells Do you also, me- Are you also tracking what I didn't engage with? Absolutely. Or is it only, it's, so it's, it's because it's first party, it says this was sent to them, they ignored it. This was sent to them, this was opened. When they're on our site, these were the pages. Does it also capture duration or does duration not matter? Duration absolutely matters. If somebody lands on a page and they bounce straight away, that tells us something else, right? Not only does it tell us that that content didn't deliver on the promise that that person saw, but maybe the subject matter fundamentally wasn't terribly interesting as it turns out. Do you crawl? So this is watching the, I'm just going to call them the consumer. This is watching the consumer's behavior on your site. I have a site. I have content. Do you also crawl my content to to see what I could be serving up that might be more interesting? That's absolutely right. So we do that in two different capacities. So one, when we make recommendations based upon somebody's behavior, And we say, look, we know 28 things about Gabriella. And those 28 things tell us that here's five or six things within your current website, the content that you have today, blog posts, case studies, product descriptions, whatever those things might be that have words associated with them. We can make really great recommendations as to what you should see next, right? And we can talk about how that 
that manifests in the products that we connect to. But the other thing that's really interesting is that we also feed back insights to the marketing team to say, it turns out that in the aggregate, not only is Gabriella interested in giraffes, but a lot of other people in your audience are as well. And you haven't written about it in a long time, or maybe you've never written about it at all, but it would really make a lot of sense for you to spend some time creating content there. Okay. A couple of questions that that makes me think of. The first one is, it's the first time I've come to the site. I've maybe hopped around mm-hmm. a few places. How much data do you need on me tied to my email to be able to begin assessing things? And secondly, when you're looking at the content, are you looking at the content anybody looks at? Are you looking at the content that the the lurkers look at? Are you looking at both so you can parse this draws people in, but it doesn't convert them, at least not initially? How much data do you need mm. on the personal level? And then when you're looking at the macro at the site, how do you bundle that? Those are great questions. So the first thing is when it comes to recommendations, we do everything at the human level. So qualifying whether or not a particular piece of content is drawing people through the funnel is is much lower down the rungs in terms of importance of how well the system will make a decision about this is what someone should say. Oh, okay. So I, I still am stuck in that old way. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's this is the thing that's really remarkable is, is when we have conversations with great marketers who have done account-based marketing and have done hyper-segmentation and personalization as it's been kind of known till now, the more they've done it and the more expertise they have, the more unwinding from history we kind of have to do in our, our initial conversations with folks because they start to really get it and say, ah, (laughs) I have so much of my work defined by my history. And this really is a pretty significant disruption to status quo. So you're absolutely in the right gate. Now on the flip, back towards your question, the thing that's interesting about volume of, of information that's required, a couple of pages on a website visit associated with a human can do a good job. And if you're enriching your site visitors with data from tools like ClearBid or ZoomInfo or any of those guys, all of a sudden that data starts to become very interesting. And for us, we're very focused right now on B2B. Okay. So not only are we able to figure out, hey, this first session, there were a couple things that happened. Oh, hey, we saw them start to maybe click an email or two. Maybe there's this data coming over from a from a data enrichment provider. But we have two other really interesting things that we do. One, we're able to crawl and get all the news about their employer. And so there's this really interesting opportunity to derive the core trends about the place where they work. And all those things may not be specifically interesting to them as an employee of that organization, but they tend to be pretty interesting and certainly contextual, right? Yeah. Oh, that's that's really interesting. And also, depending on how you're serving them, just in terms of relationship building, if we think about relationships with people, <laughs> There's articles about turnover, letting people go. This is an opportunity for some high touch personal relation building. Absolutely. In fact, we we even transform company trends into additional merge tags that you can use when you plug our tool into HubSpot or a Marketo or a Pardot or one of those. So you could write an email that says, hey, first name, I understand there's some things going on there at company like company trend one and company trend two, I love to talk to you a little bit about whether or not the things that we do here at so-and-so co might be able to help you navigate some of those things. So, so that's, that's a little bit of, of where we're kind of excited also about the, the, the opportunity for personalization is that yes, we recommend organizational 
content, right? And, and orgs that have lots of blogs and case studies and white papers and these types of things, they're underutilized. They're vastly underutilized for all kinds of reasons. Mostly isn't that they're not great content pieces. They're all, organizations have gotten really good at writing this stuff. It's phenomenal. Mm. The issue is just the dot connecting. So we really help to make more of that. But then there's this other world of opportunity with just knowing what's going on in the organizations you're talking to. Well, that's interesting because initially I was thinking if you only serve up that which they are interested to, you may, or that which they have expressed an interest, you may be getting narrow and narrow and narrow and more extreme. And actually they may be missing out on something that they don't know they need. If we think about Steve Jobs, the consumer doesn't know what they want. Or if you're offering a new product, a new service, something really different, Mm -hmm. you need to get them there. And so that's where that B2B info would come in? Is that how that would work? It certainly could help. And there's a really important point to make here too, that AI is not here to replace marketing. In fact, it is in every way, shape and form an enablement device. And if an organization has a phenomenal new feature or product release or whatever it may be, that's the stuff that gets sung from the hilltops to everybody. It doesn't matter whether or not there's a definitive attribute to someone's interest profile that says, oh, they're specifically going to be interested in this product release. No, you built that product release for a reason that it came from customer feedback. It's something that made sense. Your product org knew it was the right thing to do, Mm. but you might be defining the future. And so one of the things that we talk a lot about with our customers is you're still really good at what you do. You shouldn't stop doing the stuff that you're great at. Write great copy about great things that you have done. And in other places, deploy personalization where it makes sense. It makes sense at the top of the funnel. It makes sense as an extension of the work that you're doing at the middle of the funnel in the consideration phase. And it even makes sense in the customer experience as you try to connect help documents and other types of case studies and materials to those people based upon their behaviors and interests. But when you've got something you're really proud of and that is a big piece of what you offer to your your market, there's no reason to let personalization crowd that out. Right. I want to take a little bit of a dog leg to the conversation. You mm. mentioned AI, the mm. the powering behind this. Can you just take us through kind of the view from 60,000 feet? What's going on here? Absolutely. So we're specifically rooted in what's known as natural language processing and natural language understanding. So those two areas of machine learning to understand words in all of their various applications. So in our case, we're really interested in words as it pertains to marketing content. So when you write a blog post, a really great example of a pain point within marketing is that you write the blog post and then that you have to apply a tag from your standard taxonomy of tags. We write blog posts about case studies or we write blog posts about industries or whatever it is. So you tag it with automotive. And the thing that's kind of limiting there is that when you're doing that as a marketing team, you're having to define those things in a standard way. And you've got your list of 50 or 100 things and you can't ever go outside of that. Mm. What's amazing about natural language understanding is that we have a reference set of 60 million concepts. So whereas the average marketing org is stuck adding one or two high volume, high use tags from their standard taxonomy that they've defined as a team, our system doesn't care. In fact, it's it's really trying to run away from how it is that you define the content because people, it turns out, are inherently pretty bad at it. 
right? Not because you're not smart, but because every time you rethink about your content and the implications and applications of it and who might be interested, you could add a hundred more tags every single day. And that just becomes incredibly unruly, but that's where machine learning is so good. So well, it says, Hey, there's 20 things in here and we grab them all. Well, it's interesting. I had an interview with a gentleman around tagging and there is a sweet spot, too many tags and it can hurt in terms of on social media, for instance, mm -hmm. it can be problematic. So it needs to be accurate. And so the idea that you're going to have this natural language processing be incredibly accurate. And to your point, it, it solves a lot of work, it seems. This, this makes it easier on people. So take me through how it works. If I'm, let's say I'm a firm, I have 5 million in revenue, I'm a B2B marketer. How do I integrate this service into what I do? Absolutely. So we are 100% built around the idea of being an all boats rise on high waters ecosystem player. We're not trying to take you off of Pardot. We're not trying to take you away from HubSpot. Tools like that do a lot of amazing things. So the way that our system works is that you actually create an account by signing up or signing in with your primary marketing platform or platforms. You can have as many integrations as you want. And we end up creating consolidated view. But you sign up, for example, with your HubSpot login. And as a result, the moment that you do that, we get the entire history, every touch point, every contact, oh. every piece of content throughout your entire enterprise. And it takes a little while, but overnight, everything renders. And we create interest graphs for every single one of your contacts. We know every piece of content that they've read and what they haven't read. And we're able to then make recommendations from all the other things that are available. At the same time, we automatically then enrich everybody with the news and the news trends that are coming. We have a pipeline of about 60,000 content sources that help us source those insights and what's happening in organizations that your prospects are working for. Um, we're also able to, at that time, enrich all the data with full LinkedIn profiles and other behaviors out on social media and some other things like that. So you log in today and it starts to take you through an onboarding process and then by tomorrow, you're good to go. You can start using personalization and it shows right back up in HubSpot, in Pardot, in Marketo, in MailChimp, these tools that we're integrated with as a new set of merge tags. Some tools call them tokens or whatever it might be, but, but they're merge tags, right? The same idea that you have with dear F name and it puts Gabriella in there. Right. There's headline one, link one, tag one, et cetera, et cetera. And you just start to decide where it is that you want to deploy this stuff. Okay, a couple of questions that are springing to mind. So many. First of all, does this help write headlines that people are more likely, subject lines that people are more likely to click on? Because given that this is the article, what's the compelling clickable headline? I would think this natural language stuff would, would be able to know what people are going to react to. Yeah, so to some degree, we do enable for subject lines and things like that, paragraph writing, those types of things. Let's say that you're going to send somebody three recommended pieces of content, mm -hmm. right? one, two, and three. For each one of those, we also provide an additional merge tag that is the primary concept within that item. So okay. you could write an email subject line that says, hey, first name, here's insights into topic one, topic two, and topic three. That really helps with open rates. And we've seen our customers enjoy open rates that are 2x plus their historical averages. Mm. 
when they employ these tags, these personalized kind of concepts, because it really looks different and it feels different and not for nothing for all the marketers out there that are worried about what volume of email that they can send out without breaking GDPR. One of the key things that these systems are looking for is how unique your emails are. And if your subject lines are effectively different. (laughs) Oh, right. Of course, then you're going to not be a spam bot. Right. You don't get nailed by the logic and the algorithms and not because you're doing anything sneaky, but because you're actually sending personalized emails that that don't. That are are for this individual as opposed to this group, this hyper segmented group. Exactly right. So it sounds like it's not a heavy lift to connect to my other tools because my other tools actually connect to to you and that you on your end will consolidate if if that's what needs to happen. What if I'm a mom and pop shop and I'm listening and I think, oh, I would love to connect here. But right now I just push things out over LinkedIn or I don't have massive MarTech investment. What what do I what can I do? Absolutely. So we have integrations with MailChimp and Constant Contact, which tend to be more in use in smaller orgs and nonprofits and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Small, medium-sized businesses, particularly the small. And we have a really nice, clean onboarding option where the moment that you sign up with, let's say, MailChimp, we take that pipeline of 60,000 content sources. And we offer up an opportunity during the onboarding process to create a subject matter newsletter, which is a big win for small businesses. So what we do is we crawl your site. The second that you sign up, we come up with the core concepts that you talk about the most, even if you've only got a couple of pages and you haven't even really started content marketing, we can figure out from your, at least your homepage. Wow. You've got four or five key topics and we'll find every news item from a high authoritative source every day and make it available for use in content syndication. And then you can learn what your customers are interested in. That is super cool. One of the things I was curious about is obviously you've got a lot of learnings that are going on now uh, because everybody's coming in and, and doing that. Obviously there are privacy issues, but you must see trends you must see things and is that information that you can then feed back as a value add to the the customers or is it gee whiz it's personal so no it's not trends i mean what how did how does i mean it sounds like what i'm saying is but don't you segment it eventually don't you roll those up into a larger group gosh absolutely there are awesome insights in the aggregate Absolutely phenomenal insights in the aggregate. I, I kind of started to scratch at this a little bit ago in this call, but if we're seeing that your customers are really leaning into certain subject matter and you haven't covered it, mm. we'll let you know that. We also do competitor content tracking. So how did so that's you crawl their site? That's yeah. So we know what your competitors are writing about and what they're posting out on LinkedIn and level of engagement with those types of things. So we can Ooh. say, hey, you've got a delta, you're you're Competitors are writing about things that you have or haven't covered. There are news trends within your space that you haven't talked about. So fast moving topics that are being covered in the public media and you haven't talked about it. So this is the type of subject matter that because it's fast moving and it's tangential to your core subject matter, Mm. it's probably worth taking some time to sit down and, and think about whether or not you as an organization have a point of view 
on that subject. And if you don't, that's fine. Ignore it. Right. I mean, right. Right. We're, we're not trying to, again, like I said, there's no replacement here. And sometimes the things that we identify, you look at it as a marketer and you go, Nope, that's not, that's for not, us. that's not, not for us. That. That's not right. right? Okay. Right. Well, but we've got these insights that do help content marketers and, and content creators really think about subject matter and how they might start to write towards that instead of kind of traditionally a lot of us have been kind of led around by the nose by search engine optimization and chasing long tail keywords and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So how does pricing work? How much is this going to set me back? Yeah. So we try to make it as unbelievably cheap and easy to get in as humanly possible. There's a free forever version of this where you can come in, connect a tool, and we'll give you insights like what you should be writing about. Mm-hmm. And there is a paid solution that's based upon how many contacts that you have. That's a, a monthly fee. You can do an annual and you get a bit of a discount, but it's pretty cheap. It goes anywhere from maybe 20, 30 bucks a month for somebody small, maybe using MailChimp. Great example where that newsletter would be super useful. Right. Up to maybe 2000 a month for a massive enterprise. And and our, our kind of real win in this is that at the enterprise level, we're replacing tools that they're spending eight, nine, 10, 20 grand a month on right now. But we have a view for the future and we're super focused on product-led growth and user success as our determinant of whether or not we're a successful business. So the ROI is always there. It's always a defendable spend. Not only that, but as consumption goes up and you send more and more personalized items out, then we make more. Right. So you get to all the reporting and you get to send some volume of personalized stuff out every month within that standard subscription. And as you start to see that work and your open rates are higher, your click rates are higher, your conversion on web, that's higher and all the pages per visit. As that goes up, the case is made for people to use it in more places. So they'll start maybe with demand gen and maybe then they'll move to awareness marketing and maybe they'll move to customer stuff and who knows. Right. But the idea is that... You, you make them, you make the case as you go along. So here's a question for you. You talk about open rate. You, you talk about the metrics going up. Can you yeah. give me the Delta, what you're seeing? Yeah. So we're, we're talking about web CTA increases of anywhere between two and three X email mm. open rate increases of a hundred, 250%. Wow. Link click through rate increases as much as five X and more. The, the numbers have been pretty fantastic. And and if I'm being really honest, there are two reasons that that's happening. Mm-hmm. The recommendations are really good. And because you no longer have to worry about complex segmentation and logic rules and all this really heavy lifting that comes along with quote unquote, hyper-personalization or hyper-segmentation that is best in class now at massive enterprises small and mid-sized organizations are able to execute very granular marketing campaigns that before they were staring at massive investments of people and time and tools mm. that they just couldn't get over. They couldn't make the $300,000, $400,000 decision, but they knew they wanted to. Right. And so in, in comes ATC and we say, stop thinking about it as a set of logic rules and segment management and content tagging, right? Software is really good at that. And we've kind of tied that archipelago of problems together. Right. So that execution against this kind of a thing is very easy. And we've always known 
that the smaller the segment and the tighter the messaging, the better marketing goes. We, we've all known this forever and ever and ever. This just says we can get right down to the human and it's actually significantly easier than whatever it is you're endeavoring to do right now. That's amazing. It is so cool. Thank you so much for taking us through from the difference between hypersegmentation to personalization and how you actually get there. I really appreciate your time. My great pleasure. We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Naughton, the voice artist who recorded our open, and of course, all of you, the members of our audience. Thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next. <laughs>